Jesus, we need you. We need you. And we're just in this moment. I know you've already been praying that in song, but would you just pray that back to the Lord, whether you're online or whether you're here, just let him know that you need him and add one prayer to that. And I want you. I not only need you, Lord, but we want you. We want you. We wait here in your presence. We say we need you. Just as we're in this moment this morning as I was praying for our service, and I know that probably it's more than one, but you're looking to reconcile a relationship or you want a relationship to be right. And I know that God sees that, He knows that, but He's saying you gotta come to me first. Getting right with the Father, getting right with God then allows the power to get right with the relationships that are broken. Brokenness is healed when God has our heart. So if you find yourself in a broken relationship that you're trying to reconcile, the Father would just invite you to himself right now. Just turn your heart and say, Father, I give you my heart again. So to agree with everyone who's praying that prayer, who feels that need this morning. Thank you, Lord. You're committed to our relationships, but you're asking us to give our hearts first and foremost to you. As we do that right now, we say, come Holy Spirit, anoint your word and this service and everything about it, we pray in your precious name, amen, 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 it's just great to be with the family of God, and as I often say, this is, uh, hopefully, though it is a very big room, it is a big family room. And uh, welcome to the family room. Glad you guys are here. We've already experienced the presence of God, the love of God. And um, for those that are going to be baptized, if you will go ahead and get up and make your way out to the lobby, we're going to make sure that uh, we get you situated. Because again, if you haven't already heard, this is Baptism Sunday. So uh, what we're going to be doing is I'm going to share a short word here. We get a chance to hear a powerful testimony uh, of some folks that are going to be baptized here in just a little bit. Uh, so you guys can make your way out. Hey, um, on, on, uh, for years, I have shared a story, and it wouldn't be a family room without sharing a family story, right? So whether you've heard it uh, before, I want you to hear it again. And it's really marked my life with the power of baptism. Many years ago, we uh, had several groups of our college students going out to different uh, parties on the Baylor campus, MCC campus, TSTC campus, wherever people were partying, they would go into these bigger parties and they would stand up on a chair or something and say, hey, everybody, I know you're having such a good time. I just want you to know that we love Jesus. And if anybody wants to talk about Jesus, we're going to be here. And at times they got ridiculed and run out of the party. Uh, At other times they had meaningful, powerful experiences with people who really just needed to know that Jesus sees them and knows them, even in the midst of their brokenness. And uh, this one young man came up to uh, one of our uh, gals and uh, said, man, I can't believe you're here, and I'm stuck in an addiction of drugs and alcohol, and, and I need Jesus. And he had grown up in church, but he would say he had never really committed his life to Jesus personally, though his parents had faith and had walked away from the church and everything to do with God. 
And in that moment, he realized his need. Well, our, our guys prayed with him in a powerful encounter, powerful salvation experience. So the following Sunday, he was going to be baptized. And so the church we were in, the baptistry was right behind the, the stage. And, and I was up there baptizing him. He shares his testimony. Everybody's shouting, excited about it. And I baptized him in the name of Jesus, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And when he came up out of the water, what we didn't know was that his dad had slipped into the back of the room. And his dad, everybody was seated. His dad stands up and shouts, my son was dead, but now he's alive. And the whole room just erupted with the grace of God. And I often think of that story whenever we baptize people, because I think, man, we were dead in our sins, but God has brought us back to life. Whether it is my salvation experience or whether it is a prodigal that needs to come home, can I just tell you that God is calling us home. He's calling us to himself. He's calling you back home again, and he always receives you with open arms. Well, that my son was dead, but now he's alive, comes from the scriptures, Luke 15. Many of you guys are familiar with the story of the prodigal son. And I just want to remind us a little bit about that this morning. Very uh, clear passage where there's two brothers and their wealthy, generous father. And one of the brothers says, I want my inheritance now. I want everything that you have to give me, and I want it now. I'm not willing to wait until later. I want it now. And the father, in his mercy and his grace, gives his son what he wants. There's this amazing thing about God that he's created us with a will. In his sovereignty, he's created us with a will. And he allows us to walk our way if we choose so that we also have the power to love him and have a relationship that's not based on force but on our desire. So God will give us the desires, whether we choose good or whether we choose evil, um, but in hopes that we might see our uh, need for him and turn our hearts fully and completely to him. Well, this one son, he takes off and he goes his own way. And I want us to pick up the story in verse 14. The son went off and it says that he went to a distant country. He spent uh, his, his father's resources on loose living, on every kind of broken thing. He's going after everything in the world. He finds himself empty. Pick us up in verse 14. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving him anything, anything to him. But when he came to his senses, everybody said came to his senses. When we came to our senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Verse 20. So he got up, came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Amazing. Verse 21, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he has come to life again. He was lost and now he's been found 
and they began to celebrate. Woo! Still a great story, right? So, hey, a few things that I want to make note of. First of all, the father was more generous than the son realized. The father was not only generous when he gave him his inheritance early and said, hey, do with it what you will. But in the end, we see that the father was better than the son knew. Can I just let you know that God is better than you think he is? Think about how good you think he is. He's better than that. He is better than you think he is. He is beyond what you think he is. His grace, his love, his mercy, his pursuit of you is so much uh, bigger than you can think it is that the scripture says it's above and beyond all that we could ask or think. And that is what God wants us to know today. He is a generous father who counsels us with his eye upon us, who is always present, is waiting for us just to turn his way. His arms are bigger. His love is greater than we could ever imagine. God is more generous than we know he is. The second point is the son went his own way. The scripture says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the, the bottom line, the way I say it is this, we wake up drifting unless we anchor ourselves in to the grace of God. Now, the drift initially of our own sinful ways eventually allows us to realize, okay, I need freedom, I need deliverance. We come to Jesus, we get saved out of our need. But as a believer, we also find ourselves drifting consistently from the ways of God. And when we find ourselves drifting, the beautiful thing about God is all we have to do is turn our hearts back to him, and he receives us with mercy and grace. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says this, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all, the sins of us all, to fall on him. So whether you are coming to the Lord for the first time or whether you're coming to him for the thousandth time, his forgiveness and grace and mercy is available day by day. It is not just a one-time thing. It is a continual flow of the grace of God because our hearts drift in this world. Therefore, again, we have to know that forgiveness is always available, not just a one-time, but continually for us and towards us. You know, here's the deal about the grace of God is that it's not only present, uh, but it is an ongoing flow that is always needed. When our kids would sin, which was often, we would have a simple correction process. What did you do? You need to ask Jesus forgiveness. You need to ask us for forgiveness. We would minister whatever the appropriate discipline was at the time. And then we would then have them. Then we'd say, now, we love you. Come, hug, and embrace us. So we would acknowledge our sin. They would ask for forgiveness for their sin. They'd be restored with an embrace. And then we would make them go back and play or come back to the kitchen table or go back to their brother and sister and fully restore relationship so that they weren't living in guilt and shame because sin had been dealt with appropriately by their mother and father who were earthly, but even more so by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus that covers their sin. You do not have to remain distanced from God because you've sinned. We come to God, and yes, there is consequence for sin, but we acknowledge that and we're restored immediately. He doesn't wait till later to restore you. Huge, huge deal. He's not like you. 
He's not like me. He's God. (laughs) He forgives and he restores and he brings us back to union and communion with himself. Now, if you, if you get anything today, I want you to get this next little phrase. It says, and he came to his senses. He came to his senses. Basically, another way of saying that, the kid woke up. He woke up and realized, you know, sin has pleasure but for a moment. And eventually it causes death. Every time, God's still right. Whatever thing is apart from God, he'll let you go that way. But the consequences of sin are not meant to destroy you. They're meant to wake you up and return you. The consequences of sin are not meant to destroy you. They're meant to wake you up, to return you to God's original design for you. So when you get caught or when you face the consequences of your sin or when the ugliness of your sin is affecting family or friends in an an imperfect way and you say, oh my goodness, why is all these crazy things happening in my life? When the chaos comes because sin is present, it's a wake-up call to come to our senses and return to God. The young man came to his senses and woke up. And can I just make a statement to all of us right now in America at this point in history? We need to wake up. We need to come to our senses. This is wrong. This is right. This is what God says. This is what the world says. You get your information and your truth from God and his word, not the world and its lusts. And when you get it straight and you get it clear, you do not have to be perfect, but we fall on our face and say, God, by the grace of God, I'm coming your way. Empower me because the other way will lead into destruction every time. It is not empathetic to partner with people's sin. It will only empower them in the brokenness that they're already in and destroy them and you. There's a lot there. All right. He came to his senses and he said, okay, in my dad's house, at least there's food. At least there's room and shelter. So he comes to his senses, but he comes in low. He comes in humble and he says, okay, God, I'm going to come back. Or not God in the natural sense, but Jesus using this illustration as God. He says, I'm going to come back and I'm going to say, Father, if you'll just, I I know that I'm an evil man. I know that I've done wrong. I know that I've squandered everything. If you'll just just give me food and shelter, it's it's better than where I've been. And, um, And so he comes in humble and he comes in low. And what is the Father's response? He runs to him, or he sees him with compassion, and he runs to them, and he embraces him, and he kisses him. Isn't that amazing? God not only says, all right, glad you figured it out, glad you hit the end, now we'll get back on course here, but he says, son, you've not only seen it, but my heart's been breaking from the day you left. From the day you left, my heart has been breaking for you. And so here's the deal, from the day you left, and I know there's people in this room who feel far from God, that's why you're here today. You're hoping, maybe if I come to church, maybe I'll find God again. Maybe, maybe I'll find forgiveness. Maybe I'll find hope, or maybe I'll find help. Can I just say, God is literally a breath away today. No matter how high the mountain is, no matter how ugly the sin is, no matter how broken life is, literally, he's just a, a breath away. He's waiting 
You're here by divine appointment. If you're listening online, you're here by divine appointment. You're hearing this message by divine appointment. Some of you online are actually sitting at the house because you're ashamed to be in the people, among the people of God. And I just want you to say God's heart and compassion is for you and towards you. And he's reaching out to you this morning to say, my grace is greater than your sin. And there is love and acceptance in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the struggle. So the father was waiting. The son turns. He sees him and he runs to him with compassion and he embraces him and he kisses him. So remember I told you the story about uh, you know, how we would discipline our kids. We'd identify what the, what the deal is. We would uh, address it appropriately. And then we would make them embrace us and come back to the table. And I remember uh, uh, our son Caleb tells the story. He said the worst part about the discipline process was having to reunite with the family because I felt so much guilt and shame and you made us reconnect. And it was so painful, but I'm so glad now because when God disciplines me, I don't pull away from him. I pull towards him. Okay, so something just get very practical because some of y'all are trying to picture that. So uh, Caleb had a deal of, uh, of well, several deals. But uh, it, it usually manifested at the table. Uh, so whatever his attitude was or, you know, simple things to big things. And he would do something goofy at the table. We'd ask him to not do a hundred times. And then it was, hey, buddy, uh, you need to come to dad's room. We go through this one process and then, and we make him hug and embrace us. We'd be all good. You're forgiven. All good. Now you got to come back to the table and he'd have to come back to the table. And we said, you are not only welcome back to the table, but you must come back to the table and receive love and normalcy again, because your sin has been atoned for. You are covered by the blood of Jesus. We have forgiven you and we want you in the middle of this table because you're so much fun and there's so much joy to you. Just keep it within the boundaries of God and his word. But anyway, there's just so much joy and fun to you. We need you. We need you. We need you in this house. We need you. You're needed. Your family needs you. We need you. And there's enough forgiveness in the grace of God, enough forgiveness in this house to receive you back. We need you. He hugs him, he embraces him, and he kisses him, and then he says, we're throwing a party. (laughs) We are throwing a party because my son who was dead, who I thought was gone forever, has now returned and he's alive. Let's celebrate. (laughs) Wow. So not only was guilt and shame eradicated. Not only was there the re-entry of the embrace of a, of a father who cares and loves, but then there was a party on top of it. Talk about undeserved favor. And that's what the grace of God's all about. The grace of God is available for you. The grace of God is available for me. The grace of God is what we all long for, hoping that it's really true. And can I tell you, it's true. It's so true. 
that God became a man in the person of Jesus. He walked a perfect life. He loved perfectly. He forgave perfectly. And he hung on a cross. And those people that he truly loved actually turned against him even in that moment. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he gladly went to the cross, died, was buried, and rose from the dead to break the power of sin and death. So there's a direct entrance now to grace and his love and his power because your sin has been taken care of by another and you undeservedly can now receive grace because his love is greater than the way you see it and the way you've experienced it. Jesus is not only enough, but has made a way and you can come again and you can come for the first time because sin has been done away with by a Savior that loves you. Wow. Now don't get me wrong, there's consequence for sin, you guys, in this life. There is consequence for sin. But grace is greater than your sin. And Jesus is that wonderful. And it's amazing. And actually, you know the writer of this story was? Uh, may you know this? Jesus wrote this story, right? Jesus is the one who tells the story to try to describe how great he is. <laughs> Woo! I'm excited about Jesus. I don't know about y'all. But here's what we're going to do. Anybody need the grace of God today? All right, let's stand up. Come on, if you need the grace of God today. Now, here's what I want you to do. Just raise your hands like you're receiving grace, like a big beach ball of love and grace. And if you, if you need to receive it, just open your hands and the palms of your hands to the Lord. Lord, we're here by your grace. We're alive by your grace. We, we, we are loved by your grace. We are forgiven by your grace. We're here as your people receiving grace today. Love, pleasure, and favor of God towards undeserving people and the power of God to do the will of God. And if you're here this morning and you need the grace of God for the first time, I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer. If you need the grace of God again today for a broken place in your life as a believer, you can just turn again to him. And it's always right just to surrender. If you're a believer, you just do business with God. If you don't know Jesus and you're hearing the sound of my voice, pray this simple prayer, Lord Jesus. I need you. You can pray it right with me. If you don't know him and you need him, Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for raising from the dead. Thank you for making a way just for me just for me. Thank you for receiving me and bringing me to the Father. I receive your love. I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. Amen. Amen. Yes, let's thank Jesus for his grace. Woo! Now be seated. I want you to hear a story of some new friends of mine, new part, new members of this family, of this house, where they experienced the power and the grace of God.
And if you just received Jesus, if you just prayed for the first time and you want to be baptized today, right after this testimony, we're going to start baptizing folks right here. You can slip out during this testimony and you can go to the information booth right out here and we'll, we'll help you respond to your new faith. If you haven't been baptized, you say, oh, I didn't know it was baptism Sunday. You want to be baptized, you can go right out that door, uh, join one of our pastors out in our information booth. But let's join in here, the power of grace in this beautiful family's life right now. Uh, hi, my name is Jose Tobar. Uh, I'm from Waco, Texas. Uh, well, ever since I was little, my mom would drag me out of bed uh, Sundays to go to church. I never really liked going. Uh, and I was always just hanging around the round crowd, always uh, smoking, drinking, or, you know, partying. I got married when I was 18. And shortly after that, or a year later, we got divorced. And uh, I still kept going, you know, uh, partying. Uh, and I was just sitting there looking at the woman, looking at the guys that I was surrounded by, just thinking they're making the same mistakes as I am. You know, it's not going to take me nowhere. Uh, I told God, uh, come back and knock knock on my door. I'm, I'm going to listen this time. I want something different. Uh, I, I feel uh, worthless. Uh, I feel bad, empty. A uh, few months later, uh, I was at work, and this guy, new dude, uh, got close to me. And he, said, he introduced himself. Hi, my name is Dylan. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'll make it quick. I just... God told me to, I, he just spoke to me, I need to give you a message that he's listening and and, and he wants you back. He, we, we became good friends and every day he'll share something, every day. And I was happy that he was there pushing me and, you know, taking me to church. And one day he was like, uh, it's, once we get out of work, I'm going to wait for you in the parking lot. And I hope you're there because my car ain't got AC and it's going to be 102. I'm going to be waiting on you. I think I think you're ready. Give your life to Jesus. And I told him, I'm not ready. I'm I'm still doing, I'm, I'm still in the wrong. He laughed and he said, God, he don't want you perfect. He wants you as you are. I took my time going outside because I was nervous. I was like, maybe he left this hot. <laughs> when I got there, he was still waiting there. <laughs> he was sweaty and but smiling at me. Hey, and I got inside the car and it, man, it was burning hot inside. And I said, dude, you really? Yes. I love you, man. You know, come on. <laughs> so we said a quick prayer right after that. He said, just repeat after me. I repeated myself. He was like, congrats. You have given your life to Jesus. I love you. He gave me a hug. I felt good that he was pushing me, you know. I was getting closer to him, but I asked him, I want a responsibility. I want a direction. Give me something. Give me something that will make me feel okay. I, I, I got something to look toward or live for. And then I met Juana, my wife. My name is uh, Juana Tover, and I am from Durango, Mexico. I came to this uh, country uh, in 2005. Uh, soon after that, I uh, got married. I have two beautiful children. 
When I came to this country, I was coming from a family that it was very dysfunctional. Alcohol, violence, the loss of my father when I was two years old. I discovered that I was in the same situation all over again, in another dysfunctional family. This time it was my own family. I decided to uh, get a divorce. Uh, when I was going through the process, I never got divorced before. It was so new to me since I am not from this country. I didn't know how the system worked. Um, I ended up losing the custody of my kids. Sure after that, um, I remember police department arriving to the house and making sure that I was leaving the house without my kids. I remember walking outside the house. I hear my kids in the background crying. In this case, it was so hard to forgive myself because due to complete ignorance, I did something so terrible. And I feel like I hurt the people that I love the most. I remember receiving a text message. I was in the middle of darkness and the text message said, it would be easy if you commit suicide. It would be so easy for all of us. And that's exactly what I attempted to do. I was already. But in the same time, I was keeping my memories, thinking about them. And then I realized that that was the month where my babies were born. And I didn't want to give them as that as a birthday present. And I said, if I'm gonna do this, it's not gonna be at this month. It has to be in another occasion. And that's what stopped me from taking my life. I decided to go to church, and I remember I was feeling completely numb. But I was deep in prayer. I closed my eyes and I asked the question inside of me. I asked Jesus, I need a sign. You need to let me know that I'm not in here as a mistake. I need to know I'm not a mistake because I feel like everything that I was touching, I was destroying it. And I close my eyes and I keep listening to the service. And a few seconds after that, Jimmy said, I see a woman with boxing gloves, punching so hard. I see her with pain in her stomach. And I see her with pain in her knee. I suffered an accident at work when a pilot jack literally run over my leg and broke my knee. I used boxing as a therapy to let go of my anger. And it's when Jimmy says, I see you, I see this woman with boxing blow, uh, boxes, punching really hard, pain in her stomach and pain in her knee. And at that moment, you know, I ask my question, inside of me in a few seconds I had answered in precise details and I knew it was not a mistake and I knew it was not a coincidence. I felt the impact in my chest and I just couldn't help but cry. I cried at church and I know people saw me but I have my confirmation. I have what I asked. God was seeing me and he let me know it was not a mistake. 
I give my trust to Jesus and I gave him my life in that moment. He gave me hope. My name is Jose Tobar and I'm getting baptized today. My name is Juana Tobar and I'm getting baptized today. I feel like uh, everything that we went through as a family, the challenges that we faced, uh, the brokenness that we experienced, all of that lead us to God, lead us to Jesus. And getting baptized is the ultimate gift that we have. Uh, I'm excited getting baptized. It's like a big, big statement that I'm making to the world that He's my Lord and Savior, you know. Uh, I want our, our kids to look at us, you know, even if they don't want to get baptized, seeing us baptized, you know. But their parents believe in, you know. So I'm so excited and I can't wait. Well, we're here with the Tovar family, and uh, as we worship and as we pray, may the gospel just be on display of the love and the grace of God. Amen. As we worship, let's all stand together. I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures the fame.
Thank you that their bold testimony to be baptized publicly before this family. We receive that, and we receive it with great grace, and we say, now, Lord, give it back to them with abundance. So we bless our friends today in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen, amen. Woo! Hey, we're going to do one last chorus with these guys up here to end our time. But before we do, I just want to encourage you again, if you prayed to receive Jesus or you want to be baptized, we'll baptize you next week. Uh, please make sure you stop by our information booth. One of our pastors will talk to you. If you need to get connected to what's going on around here, right through those doors, the Connect Center. If you need to connect to what God's doing and what's going on in our midst, thank you for being a part of this. And if you're online and you're at home, we are saying welcome. Come on back in person. All right, we love you guys. Let's worship together to seal the work of God in our hearts.